Do you ever feel like your life has ended up on a path you never planned for? Have you ever felt like things are just not going your way? Often we get so caught up in the ending of our story that we don't focus enough on the actual journey. Life is full of twists and turns and we won't have control over it, but we have to learn to adapt. I myself struggle with this and I get overwhelmed by even daily tasks sometimes. Well, today I hope this episode can help you and myself learn to embrace the journey of life because today's guest is pretty great at doing just that. Today, I'm speaking with Josh, who is an artist that goes by the name McMonster. His journey from growing up in Colorado to becoming a full-time artist in Portland was in no way planned and was far from a straight path. His life has been full of constantly moving to different cities and then back again, full of starting college, just a dropout. Josh had no idea what the next step would be, but he did know one thing, that he was going to be a full-time artist and he was going to do it by any means. Welcome to the My Artist Road Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob, and this is episode two, McMonster. Yeah, so my name is Josh McQuarrie. I go by McMonster. I grew up in a military family, so we were moving around a lot. I was born in Okinawa, Japan, and then I moved to California when I was three. And then basically, I kind of did a back and forth with Colorado my entire childhood. In my early teens, I lived in Turkey for a couple of years uh, until around 9-11. And then after that happened, moved back to California, then did the California, Colorado thing up back and forth until I graduated. Was it difficult to move around so much while you were growing up? Uh, yeah, I liked it. Uh, I liked moving around. I liked being the new kid. I spent first through seventh grade in Colorado. And then it wasn't until eighth grade when I moved to Turkey. And that was like a, my first real big move. And, you know, I wasn't, I wouldn't say, excited about it, uh, leaving all my friends. It was hard at first, and, you know, I didn't want to go. And it really didn't take long before I made new friends and uh, met new people. And I was really into skateboarding at the time. But that was, like, a pretty huge part of my life. As like, soon as I was out of school, I was, you know, out skating with my friends. And uh, I had met a group of dudes that all skated as well when I lived in Turkey and we became good friends and I'm in contact with most of them still. So we, I remember we would sit around and we would draw like, you know, we started our own skateboard company or, you know, imaginary skateboard companies and drew pictures for skateboards and all that. And I think that skating was a uh, probably a pretty big uh, inspiration for me to keep doing art as well. Just because all the, the deck graphics were always so sick growing up. So Turkey was pretty different than Colorado. Um, could you tell me what living there was like? Way different. Uh, it was awesome. I, I loved it. My parents gave me a lot of freedom when I was over there and we would go, we were, you know, you're stationed over there, you're on a military base. But, uh, my friend, Alex Vining, his dad was our math teacher. So he got to live off base. So we would take a shuttle from the base, uh, through Turkey and we would stop in downtown Adana and me, him and another guy named Joe. We would go to this breakdance park because we were into we were really into breakdancing at the time too, and uh, and so we would go to this breakdance park and we would hang out in downtown with these Turkish people and all three of us were taking Turkish as a second language at the time so we knew enough to we could all get by yeah it was great uh, Turkey is full of really rich history you walking down the street and there's like you know an old Roman tomb or you go walk up to a castle with like trap doors and it's. It's a really magical place. Um, I loved it. I loved it a lot. And I miss it. Do you have any other, like, really special memories from Turkey? Yeah, so uh, there's this place called Kiskalesi, 
my buddy Joe and I, so it's like a, probably like a three hour drive from where we were stationed and his dad had taken us down there for the weekend. It's on the beach. It's, uh, got a castle that's, uh, kind of probably like maybe a hundred yards into the sea, but the water's only a couple feet deep, pretty much halfway there. And then you can swim the rest. And we had snuck out at night, swam out to the castle, and then you moved, climbed up the drawbridge all night. And you could jump off the drawbridge into the water. Um, yeah, and then we snuck back into the hotel room and I went to bed. It was just nice, innocent, fun, but it was also really, really rad at the same time. And something, you know, that I've never got to do again since. So do you remember the first time you got into art when it kind of came into your life? Yeah, uh, there was something going on where I had to draw something for school. And I had asked my mom and dad to both draw me something. And my dad drew this little character that looked kind of like my grandfather. And I remember being like taken back and be like, oh, wow, you know, that's really good. I did not know that my dad could do that. Uh, and then my mom had come over and shown me a picture of some flowers that she had drawn. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really good, too. Cool. Maybe maybe this is for me. Maybe, you know, it's in my blood or whatever. Josh quickly put his newfound drawing skills to work with a class project. In this project, every kid had to create a new store for this fake town, and they had to have fake money and pretend to buy goods from each other. In third grade, I don't know if you guys did this in your school, but they had this, like, uh, they made us do, like, a like a mock town where everybody has their own store or whatever, and they hand out fake money, and then, like, there's a day where you can go around and buy whatever from the other students. Well, me and this other kid, we, we opened up our own little, like, a little art gallery, and we would do commission pieces, essentially. And so, like, right then, super early on, yeah, like I said, it must have been third grade. I kind of had a feeling that's what I wanted to do. While throughout Josh's whole life, he has kept a sketchbook for drawing, it was more of a hobby for him until high school when he started to realize that what he was doing was actually creating art. And it could provide value to others besides himself. At what point did you realize that this was bigger than just a hobby uh, and it, you were actually making art? Uh, yeah, that was probably around my senior year. I had a really great art teacher that, uh, pushed me to go forward with it. Um, her name is, uh, Emily Hanchett. She was a great artist as well. And she was just really inspiring. She was always telling me, you know, like she was the one that told me, you know, this, what you're making is art and it's beautiful and you're good at it and you need to keep doing it. And so I did. And when I was doing like, uh, my exit interviews for graduation i hadn't planned on going to art school and she was very disappointed that i was not going that route but i eventually ended up going to art school anyways so it worked out so did you agree with what she had said about your work being beautiful and worth something did you think that yourself as well uh yeah right around that time i started noticing that okay well i'm a little better than this than most people are that are around me anyways you know to my peers, I had a little bit more honed in skill than I would say most of the other students. And but the thing is, I don't think that I realized that I could make a job out of it. I didn't realize that, you know, how many different careers there are that involve some type of artwork. No one had ever taken the time to explain, you know, like if you like to draw. There's literally a million things you could do with some drawing talent. And yeah, so no one had ever taken the time to explain that to me. So I really didn't. I didn't get that. So I didn't, I still saw it as like, you know, this is really awesome that I can do this. 
but what can I do with this? You know, what, what are the options? At this point in the story, Josh is at a very important moment in his life. He just graduated high school, and now it's time to decide what he wants to do for the rest of his life, and he didn't quite know. I mean, yeah, he wanted to be an artist, but he didn't know how he could make money doing that just yet. So he did what most people do in that sort of situation, and he signed up for some college courses that would allow him to be more creative. Uh, so I've gone to, I was one of the lucky kids that got scammed by the ITT Technical Institute. Uh, that was me. I was there. I was going for 3D animation. Uh, video game design is actually what the program was, which really didn't make sense because I like video games, but I'm not like into video games. I'm not a gamer person. I have a PS4, but I haven't used it in like a year. So it, it didn't really make sense for me to do that. And so I ended up dropping out of ITT and joining the military, uh, the Air Force specifically, and doing that for four years. So already we can see that Josh's journey in life has taken a turn rather quickly. From art school to military, and as you can see, this path has even more turns along the way. So what made you join the Air Force? I was, so at this time was back in Colorado. I wanted to get the fuck out of Colorado. <laughs> and I, you know, my dad, like he started out his career where he was stationed in Japan for five years and then he got to go to Turkey for three years. It was just like, okay, like if I, if I want to go and I want to travel and I want to do it on someone else's dime, that's, that's the option for me. Um, which it didn't work out to, for me the way it did for my dad. Um, I ended up in South Dakota for four years. And so I, I decided not to stay in. While he didn't particularly enjoy his time in South Dakota, he did see a little success with his art while he was there in the form of his first art show. I used to, on the weekends, I would take my sketchbook downtown. And downtown Rapid City in South Dakota is very small. It's not a, it's not a big downtown by any means. But I was painting in my sketchbook one day and this guy walked by and was like, whoa, this is really cool. And he's like, I'm an art manager, blah, blah, blah. He wasn't. He was all full of shit. Let's clear <laughs> that up right now. This guy was a literal piece of trash. His name was J. Paul Fuller, and he sucks. Um, basically was like, oh, I know all these art people in town, blah, blah, blah. And this is Rapid City, South Dakota. There's nobody, there's nobody to really know there. So, but I bought a hook, line, and sinker, you know. It was the first time anyone had ever really approached me about my artwork and wanted to do any type of anything for me. And I was, you know, about to get out of the military. And this was, you know, still kind of what I was hoping to do. So, you know, planets were aligning. So I had done this show with him. He tried to screw me for all my money. It, it was a horrible experience. Uh, I don't remember what the question was. Uh, <laughs> so what did he do exactly? How did he? What what was his plan? Oh, so so yeah, so we had an agreement about so he catered the thing. Um, he basically said, "I want X amount of dollars to do all this stuff," and then at the end of it, that X amount of dollars had like tripled. Um, and I had just gotten paid out from the gallery, and he's standing there like, "Okay, give me my cut." And I'm like, "Well." Here is what you said you wanted, and now you're asking for more. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and did he really even do anything? I mean, he catered it, but no. I mean, he didn't do anything else. Yeah. And that was pretty much it. It, it. He had spoken with the people 
at the Doll Art Center uh, that's down in downtown South Dakota. Um, but I mean, this was done in like the art center's cafeteria. It wasn't like in a like a nice space. Like shit was being set up on picnic tables. It was yeah. Yeah. What I was promised was not delivered, and then yeah. And then he asked for more money than yeah we had agreed on, and it's not good. Yeah, it's bad. Did you tell him, did you tell him to fuck off? I that? absolutely told him to fuck off, and it didn't really affect me in any way. I had then met this woman named Shavik, and she owned a gallery uh, on the main strip there in Rapid City, and she was really nice. And she knew that Jay was also an asshole. Uh, so she put me up in her gallery. She had a whole room and she dedicated it to me because she knew I was leaving. Um, so I got to sit up in that gallery for the rest of my time while I was enlisted there. That's uh, awesome. Which was super nice. Yes. Uh, she and was did wonderful. You get, did you get any sales from this? I did. Yeah, actually. So my stuff was way, way different back then. Uh, more in the vein of like Alex Partigo monsters and uh, grimy guts and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I had sold uh, five or six paintings to the gallery, which was awesome. Um, and then I had taken on a couple commission pieces too. Mm-hmm. Um, so boots out the door, leaving the military. I had high hopes. Okay, so. His first art show didn't quite go as planned, and nothing's worse than someone trying to take advantage of you, but Josh Steele was looking forward to what the future held for him as he had just got out of the military, and he had a couple of art sales under his belt. Uh, And then I moved to California again, again, and I hung out for a summer. And then I went to the artist, I enrolled in the Art Institute of Sacramento. Um, and I did that, uh, trying to get my bachelor's in animation again. Uh, mm-hmm. and about halfway through, I didn't want to go to school anymore. <laughs> so why'd you, I was why, over it. why did you enroll in, in that school particular? Um, you know, it was really just, so I got to get in under the GI bill from the military. And it was sort of near where my grandmother's at. And I had friends in California. It just seems, you know, it all kind of just lined up. I didn't know shit about art schools or, you know, where creative cities were or like I should even consider that, you know, at this point in my life, I'm 23. So I don't know shit. And it was easy. And I just did it. Hey, guys. So can you guess what happens next? Yeah, that's right. You guessed it. Time to move to another city again. So I dropped out and I moved to Chicago. Gotcha. Why Chicago? Uh, so my childhood best friends from Colorado had all moved out to Chicago. And, you know, they were like, this is a pretty artsy place. Why don't you come check it out? So I rented out my friend's walk-in closet and I lived in a closet for about a year. I got to be in a couple of really big art shows there. Uh, there's one that I was in called Echoes of Chicago. I had met some guys randomly at a party and they were talking about art. And I was like, I do art too. And I showed them some of my paintings and they were like, oh yeah, be a part of this thing. So I got to be a part of a show while I was there. But it, Chicago wasn't good for me creatively. 
Um, I was working at a bar uh, at late nights slash early mornings, and I was more focused on just having a good time, really, than I was about progressing in art. And I mean, I still kept the sketchbook that I was in every day, and I would still do art. It just didn't feel like I was there to do art. It felt like I was there to work and have fun, and if I had time, to do some art. Josh felt like he was just in Chicago to work and hang out, but that doesn't mean he gave up on the art. He was still networking and constantly creating new works, trying to get into any show he could he could find and be a part of, as well as promoting himself online. I mean, still, even at this, I think this point was like, the goal was to either make it as uh, artists that just, you know, works themselves and paints what they want to paint, or draw whatever they want to draw and get paid to do that, or nothing at all. That was kind of been the whole... I've kind of been behind it the whole time. It's like, yeah. Like, I want to have an art job, but I want it to be my shit, not someone <laughs> else's. I want to do it on my terms, not someone else's. I don't want to clock in. I don't want to get paid by someone else. I want people just to pay me. <laughs> you know? And w- what was the plan to get there? Keep trying. <laughs> Keep trying. So what were you doing to, to, get, to get your art out at the time? Uh, so uh, doing shows. You know, meeting other artists in communities and just waiting to hear about doing an art show to get my stuff in front of enough people to see it. Um, This is like right around when Instagram was just starting. So uh, the whole social media thing hadn't really happened yet. I was doing it on Facebook uh, at the time and I had like an art Facebook account, but there wasn't too much else. I mean, there was a blue canvas website, which was a magazine that also ran this website. Um, I was on DeviantArt trying to put myself out there as well yeah so there's avenues i was trying you know just trying to get my stuff in front of people but before the social media thing is it's a lot harder yeah it's that time of the podcast again time for josh to make another big move but don't worry though as this is the move that's gonna change everything for josh this is where he finally gets his foot into the art world and starts to make big progress toward his dreams uh so i was living in san luis obispo at the time uh, which is Southern California. And uh, I, my lease was up. I had just uh, found a new place to live. I am not, San Luis Obispo is a very uh, wealthy beach town. And it's, it's not my, it's, it's, they're not my people. So yeah. I was already having a hard time being there anyways. And so I, I am going to go sign the lease of this new place. And on the way over, the guy calls me and he's like, hey, man, I've actually I've got another family here that I'm going to just give the place to them, even though that we had agreed that I had the place. I just needed to bring over the deposit that day. I kind of told the guy to fuck off because like how rude. Right. And that was kind of my last draw. I was like, you know what? I'm going to save up for a month, pack up my car and I'm going to go to Portland. I got homies up there. I'll figure it out when I get there. Not only had Josh had enough. But his aunt was constantly telling him how great Portland would be for him. She had been telling me for years and years that, uh, you know, Josh, Portland's a pretty artsy town. You could do a lot of good up there. And, you know, she was my aunt, so I didn't listen to her because I'm an asshole. Uh, and I was in my early 20s and I thought I knew everything. I, it just ended up happening. It was, you know, I had a, a lot of friends from California that had moved up here and I wasn't trying to stay in California and I couldn't do another winter in Chicago. So I moved up here. Uh, 
the end of 2013 and almost almost immediately um after so instagram is now way better uh i'm able to reach out and show people more stuff um but almost instantly within moving here i think i had a show within the first month uh of living here and it was uh, a bike show for this local bike company called a tier and mm-hmm. uh everybody was given a bike and they were supposed to paint the bike or design images on the bike to accompany a painting and then the show was at this gallery called one grand gallery here which is a pretty reputable gallery um they show a lot of really cool people um yeah, that was the first gig, and then it's just kind of snowballed after that, slowly but surely. That's awesome. How how did you get in touch with them and and be a part of that exhibition? Uh, uh, just through a friend. A friend was like, "Hey, I have this friend who's in this art show, and they're looking for more artists. You should reach out." So I reached out. It also it helped, like 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 I said, Portland is a very artsy place. Uh, it wasn't hard to meet some more artists you know it it took one show before i knew you know this one guy josh gross is his name and then um you know just meeting him and then interacting with him and then being introduced to the people that he's around and you know and then and that happening four or five times with you know four or five different people it it just kind of it just happened Unlike in Chicago, when Josh was just working and doing art when he could, in Portland, art was taking center stage. It was time to make it, and he was putting the work in as much as he could. Uh, yeah, basically, I knuckled down. Uh, I really started dedicating a lot of time to putting it into the craft and to sit there and teach myself and learn, you know, different techniques and styles and kind of find where I wanted to be uh, as far as like what type of artist I was or what type of art I was doing, even if it was just for that time. And I had kind of put myself in this uh, psychedelic illustrator type of uh, style. And uh, at the time that had caught on, uh, really well and I was getting really good responses from it online and I was doing pretty much any show that had come across my feed was I was uh, submitting or applying or trying to be a part of it so I really started putting in the hours around that time and really you know okay I'm here this is it let's you know let's let's do it let's let's start making things happen. Justin stumbled into something that would change the direction of his art career forever. And uh, I met a group of dudes uh, that have this, uh, I don't even know what to call it. I guess it would be like a, like an art co-op. Um, and they're called Last Bus Club. Uh, a lot of really cool dudes. Um, a lot of really great artists in there. I don't think they're a thing anymore, but they were pretty big when I first moved here. Uh, that being said, they knew my work and they invited me to... Uh, be part of this Pabst Blue Ribbon Art Can Show every year. PBR does uh, the competition to um, submit your work, and then first place winner gets to be on all the cans, which is like 60 million cans across the country or whatever, Um, and then a bunch of other cool shit. 
So I submitted, uh, and then I won. And so that year, 2017, uh, I was featured on 60 million cans across the country. Um, they threw me on a two month tour, uh, a mural tour where I hopped on this, uh, I, I don't know what to call them, uh, this RV with four other artists. And we, we did 30 different murals in the, the two months that we were out there, um, traveling all up and down the East Coast. And yeah, and like, Pretty much when I got home from that tour, um, that was it. I was, I was, I had made the move to do art full time. That's fantastic, man. So how did it feel to have this big win? Uh, it's validated, you know, like, okay, I've been trying the whole time to just do my shit and have it pay off. (laughs) And I did my shit and it paid off. Um, yeah. And it opened up, that opened up a lot of cool opportunities. I think a lot more people started taking me more seriously if they hadn't already. They're like, okay, cool. This guy obviously can win a fuck national competition. Dope. And let's see, what was I doing at the time? Before that, I was working for a marijuana grow. And mm-hmm. I didn't have to do that anymore. Did you, I did a little did bit you, on the side. <laughs> <laughs> did you quit? Before you went onto the uh, tour or after you got back or how'd that work? Uh, so when they let me know that I had won, I was at a t-shirt printing shop um, and I pretty much quit that day. <laughs> you said, I'm fucking out of here. I'm fucking out of here. Yeah. Well, they, you know, they were at a point in their business where they were looking for people to stick around. And I had been asked maybe two weeks before that, like, hey, if uh we offer you this and this like would you stick around or are you trying to move on and i was straightforward the guy was like hey man i'm i'm trying to do this with this and if anything uh if i get any opportunity to take you know to do something with my art i'm gonna take that over this yeah uh so when i had won you know there's cash prize so i had a little bit of money coming my way to you know carry me over a little bit yeah, I quit that day. I was like, hey, man, I won. He was like, oh, sweet. So you're probably not going to work here anymore. And I said, yep, you're right. But thank you. Finally, after so long, Josh felt like he had made it. And he was right, because this win was just the beginning of him growing his art to where it is today. After winning the PBR art contest, he would go on a mural tour with four other artists, which would allow Josh to see more of the United States that he somehow had missed in all of his travels. These stops to do murals would end up leading to a lot of inspiration for him, and you can still see that inspiration in his art today. Uh, when we parked RV, we would go to like we'd go to camp in national forests, and and when we were in Kentucky, we got to take a boat out on these lakes that I'm still using inspiration from in my pieces today. Um, driving through the West Virginia hills was absolutely beautiful, super inspirational. Shit, where else? I mean, Pittsburgh is super cool. Pittsburgh is like a super gothic city. We were in this place called Allentown, which is like, uh, like a little pocket of like metal in the city. And I mean, metal like the music, like it's a bunch of metal heads in this weird part of town. Uh, I like I said, every day was special. Uh, in Washington D.C., we got to meet a bunch of cool people. In New York City, we had our uh, we had a show to commemorate the tour. Uh, it was great. Uh, North Carolina was super dope. Wasn't expecting to fall in love with North Carolina, but I did. Uh, yeah, 
every day was special. Soon after this tour, he was invited down to Texas for an art project with a friend. While down there, he decided he would post some paintings he had made on Instagram and offer them up for sale. And the response was huge. By the end of the week, I had sold every painting I posted. Um, and I had made more money selling those paintings than I had made, you know, working 10, eight hour days. Basically, that was really the point where I was like, okay, I'm doing it. It's happening. It's it's happening right now. And then, you know, I I kept up with it and I um uh, I started doing time lapse videos and my time lapse videos were just like viral after viral after viral of these time lapse videos. And then, you know, I went from having ten thousand followers to a hundred thousand followers within, you know, the year, and then double that the following year. Um just because I kept with this style and just stayed on it and was doing it at this point every day. And I was at first was able to like, you know, I was able to knock out a piece a day, a piece every two days. And it was just like, go to work, paint, cool, time lapse video, edit it, put it online, sell it, do it again tomorrow, do it again tomorrow, do it again tomorrow. And I did that for a very, very long time. Josh is in it now. He's doing exactly what he always talked about. He's painting what he wants and people are loving it. And for years, it went great like this. Uh, but it was in late 2020 that Instagram introduced Reels, and that changed a lot for artists. It put a big strain on their business as they were not able to reach as many people as they used to. Josh knew he couldn't rely on Instagram forever. So before the pandemic hit, before the introduction of Reels, he'd already started his process of trying to get into more gallery spaces and do more exhibitions outside of Instagram. I had gotten lucky enough uh, to like, get asked to do a show at this uh, gallery in Los Angeles called the Copro Gallery or Copro. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Uh, I got introduced into the gallery scene and that's that was one of my next goals was like, okay, so now you're getting paid to do all your stuff. Let's get it into some galleries. Let's get into some nice galleries. Let's get out of the gift shops, let's get out of the restaurants and the coffee shops. Let's Let's go to a place where people are going to buy art, to see art, to get introduced to new art. Um, and so I did a gallery show there, and uh, which was going to be my first solo show, but I ended up not being able to go because it happened in the same time COVID happened. Basically, uh, everything got shut down in March. Yeah, uh, the, show was in the show was in April. But it ended up being okay. I sold over half the pieces regardless uh, online. Uh, without anybody going, they were pretty convinced that if the show had happened, I probably would have sold out the show. Um, they gave me a lot of positive reinforcement, even though it was kind of a shitty situation. And then uh, I had done uh, another show in Melbourne, another one I didn't get to go to because of the times, uh, Melbourne, Australia, uh, the outro gallery. And they were super nice as well, even though kind of the same situation. Uh, but I, I had sold my work there, too. And so I was having positive experiences doing gallery shows. And that's kind of where I'm at right now is I'm just trying to stay in the gallery scene. I'm trying to meet new galleries and new people and new artists and uh, elevate. So how do you feel about your art career now? And how do you feel about it moving forward? I am just starting, my dude. Just starting. I, uh, like I said, uh, I've been really getting into art history lately and just like looking at the lives and like the time that is spent, uh, you know, 
with artists and their art before, you know, anything actually happens. I consider myself uh, extremely lucky to be as far along as I am right now. Uh, and like, I'm, I'm just a baby little fish right now. I have, this is, it's only been three years, you know, three or four years. It, it that's, that's nothing in the life of an artist. That's, that's like not even a full phase. So, you know, I, I'm not sold that this is the type of style I'll be doing the next for forever or, you know, however long I just, I'm kind of just going with it and seeing what happens. First, I want to thank McMaster for coming on to the podcast and telling us his story. I think his story is something anyone, not just an artist, can learn from when it comes to never giving up on your dreams and that your next big break could be right around the corner. If you're in Portland or just want to check out more of McMaster's works in person, you can do so February the 11th at Brassworks Gallery in Portland. His solo show will be titled All the Lonely People. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. If so, please share it with anyone you think would appreciate it. Our goal is to tell the stories of different individuals in the art world and find the lesson within it that we can all learn from. This podcast was recorded and edited by me, Jacob Johnson, and music featured in this episode is from Q Shop. That's spelled C-U-E Shop. You can find all the links to our content and links to our guests in this episode's description. This is the Myers Show Podcast, and I will see you in the next episode.